Hi, and welcome to the GRIT Podcast. I'm Mary Werdeman, along with Tom Zuba today. So if you're watching or listening to the GRIT Podcast for the first time, I want to welcome you and extend a really warm welcome to you. I want to thank you for being here. Um, I want to, I'm so glad that you found the podcast, and I'm so glad you found Tom Zuba. Um, I know that that's just going to be incredible, just getting to know Tom and getting to know his work. So I'm so glad that you're here, and I just want to extend a really warm welcome to you. Um, if you've been listening for a while and you're tuning in today, I want to say welcome back. So glad to have you here, so grateful to have you here. And you probably are a little bit familiar with Tom and Tom's work, um, maybe a lot familiar, but I'm glad you're here and it's gonna be a lot of fun today. So welcome back. Um, so with the podcast, it's, it's always been my intention to provide helpful tools that will encourage you, will support you, and, um, and help you on, on your healing path. It, it helps me to share them too, so I'm grateful to be able to do that. Um, and not just your healing path, but your life path in general. So, um, so I'm, I'm, that's my intention, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm hopeful that you'll find some of those tools today. So, um, so I want to bring Tom in. Welcome, Tom. It's so great to have you back. I'm so excited to be here with you today. Thank you. It's wonderful to be here on this July morning. Yeah. So I want to talk about where we've been, where I've been with Permission to Mourn and where we're going. But I wanted to kind of, since the podcast has its roots in grief, I wanted just to talk about grief, the definition of grief. I know you often have, de you define it primarily as the internal and automatic response to the end of a dream. Um, and it obviously, I mean, that is such a, a, a beautiful definition and such a uh, encompassing definition because we're experiencing the end of a dream every day. And especially with um, the virus and, um, and our normal way of living has been changing and evolving over the course of the whole virus. Um, but other things like you know, losing a job or losing your health, all of those things are the ending of a dream. And so when that happens, we grieve. And then in order to heal, we have to mourn. So um, mourning equals getting grief up and out, as you say, and healing becomes our way of being in the world, um, a new way of being in the world. And so that new way of being in the world is our opportunity then to grow, evolve, and live our ultimate life. And I love that. And so that's sort of what we're doing here because becoming radiant is the way I think, you know, from what I've learned from you of learning to live your ultimate or your optimal life. So what would you add to that? What? 
So I'm really, really glad to be here again. I absolutely loved the last conversation that you and I had. I so appreciate the safe space that you created for me. I share with folks what's true for me. I don't tell anyone what they should believe or think. I tell people what I believe and think. And I try to make it really clear that there are many, 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 many truths. And what I'm going to share with you today is what's true for me today. The universe is not stagnant. The universe literally is continually expanding. My hope and my prayer and my intention is to allow the universe to continue to expand through me. When I resist that and I close off and I say, no, this is what I believe. This is the truth. I stop that expansion and I begin to contract. All we have to do is look around and there are many, many, many people that as they've gotten older or really, really young, they're contracting. They're not expanding and opening. So a perfect example. I wrote this book. It was published in November of 2014. It was true. It was a true representation of what I believed, not at the time it was published, but at the time that I approved the manuscript. And at that time, I was comfortable saying grief is the automatic internal response to loss. I was comfortable saying that. The more I held the word loss and examined the energy of the word loss and lived it, that New Year's Eve, I lost both of my dogs and I was in a panic. It was sub-zero. We got the dogs after Rory died. The dogs were Sean's companions, his lifelines. I thought, if these two dogs are hit by a car, if they freeze, if they're lost forever, they're lost and I have to find them. I spent 12 to 14 hours finding them. Mm -hmm. And once I found what I believed was lost, oh my Lord, I exhaled. I was so grateful. I was lighter and I changed my behavior. Never, ever again, never did I ever let the dogs out, not on a leash. When I believed that my daughter Erin was lost, I searched and searched and searched until I found her. I found her. And when I found her, I didn't have to find Trish. I didn't have to find Rory. I don't have to find my dad. I know what happens to dead people. I know what happens to our essence, our soul, our spirit when we leave our bodies. So when I wrote this book, no coincidences, this book was published two years ago tomorrow, July 1st, 
July 24th, two years ago tomorrow, July 24th, was the 27th anniversary of my son Rory's birth. So 29 years ago tomorrow, Rory Brennan Zuba died, finished all his work, left his physical body. I'm a different person. The person that wrote this is different. Today, what's more appropriate, what's more honest, is that grief is the internal automatic response to the end of a dream, as you said. I'll give you a little insight. My third book, which is going to be the end of the trilogy, I believe, about literally creating, our, not creating, drawing in our optimal life, recognizing it, vibrating on a level that draws it in with ease. I'm, it feels to me like the honest definition of grief now is that it is the automatic, internal, learned, learned response to the end of a dream. That's going to set people on fire when they read that. And I'm cool with that. Right. right. Well, that'll give a lot of people a lot to think about. That's for sure. Yeah. So, so it's a perfect example. You talked about growing and evolving. I'm continuing to grow and evolve and I'm grateful for that. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, that's what it's all about. And that's, uh, you know, once we stop growing and evolving, we are on our way to, transitioning i guess or we have transitioned <laughs> no this is what i think no this is what i think happens and people all over facebook people in our families at our family reunions people in our neighborhoods they're the walking dead there's no light in their eyes that they become you know they bend over internally they're dead they're tight they're constricted externally our bodies begin to reflect that we have names for those conditions true true so i'm thinking so if 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 grief is the automatic internal learned response if we are so the new way to grieve then is unlearning what we've learned, would you say? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's being willing to be in our body, being willing to come face to face, heart to heart, head to head with our feelings and our emotions, which most human beings are scared to death to do, literally. Um, being a full human being, means welcoming the entire spectrum. That's one of the gifts of my three deaths. When I can sit comfortably on the bench with my feelings and emotions, then I say, thank you for showing up. You're a teacher. You're rooted in a belief that I've always thought was true, either consciously, mostly subconsciously, so now I have the opportunity to look at that belief and shift it to something that is more true for me, for who I am today. To shift it to a belief that creates 
peace for myself rather than pain. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. And that's what I love about your work, for sure. That, that, that's the road to becoming radiant. That's a step in our journey to becoming radiant, to unlearn. I talk about it in the first book, what our parents, our teachers, our aunts and uncles, our grandparents, our rabbis, ministers, priests, neighbors, bosses, what they all told us was true. And we didn't know any better, so we believed them. They didn't do it maliciously. They believe that it's true. That's the old way. That's the old way. This, among many, many, many things, the virus has given us the opportunity to ask ourselves, have I suffered enough? And if I've suffered enough, then I'm going to look around for a new way. I teach a new way to do grief. Right, right. Well, we've all, you know, just basically watched our parents and their parents and we learned what they, we just paid attention. You know, we, as you say, we inhaled it because we just watched what they did, which was maybe just to suck it up and move on or, um, you know, any of the other many, 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 many myths that there are about grief and the best way to deal with it. Just move on, you know, pick up your cross and, and get on with life and all of those. So for many, many, many Christians, my grandmother and my parents included, you're absolutely right. Pick up your cross. Right. I love the quote of Richard Rohr, we become the God we worship. The God that I worship, that God's intention is not for me, for his beloved Tom Zuba, to walk around the rest of my life dragging a frickin' cross on my back. That is not why God created me. But I have free will, so I certainly can if I want to. Exactly, exactly. So I've been reading, or just finished reading, um, Permission to Mourn, and so enjoyed that. Um, reading it out loud, I've said before, was extremely powerful for me. I enjoyed reflecting on it. You know how much I love your work, and it was a gift to me to be able to read this out loud and take in those words and um, doing it out loud. Of course, the power of the spoken word was even even more profound for me and i appreciate listeners for um company accompanying me on that um that joyous journey so thank you for that and um now i'm really excited to start to turn my attention to becoming radiant um with tom's encouragement and blessing i'm going to go ahead and, and start reading this um, probably do a chapter once a week or a little little more frequently depending on time and if the spirit moves me. I want to do it when it's organic for me because I want to be able to to get um to get the, to be able to bring forward what what might be most helpful and what um what resonates for me and then hopefully what would be helpful for all of you guys listening. So um so I wanted to talk about becoming radiant because that's your second book tom and i i guess i've got a few questions about it and i guess the first question that i am wondering is 
when you wrote permission to mourn, I'm not sure if you've ever answered this before. You may have. But when you wrote permission to mourn, did you always know that there was going to be um, the second book? Or pretty quickly on, did you know that? I can't remember, but I doubt it. I doubt. I doubt that I knew there was going to be a second book so closely tied to Permission to Mourn. I had submitted through an agent a proposal to a number of publishers to do um, a, like a daily book for 365 days, beginning January 1st, ending December 31st, where I would accompany the reader for one year. I thought I would go back to that. I still probably will. I was also told by an editor that I really, really like, who actually um, introduced my work to folks at Hay House, which was really, really interesting. And she said, you do have an autobiography, you do have a memoir, but she said, not yet. She said, there's way too many memoirs out there. She said, you want, I want people to get to know you through a couple of books and then have them be really, really interested in reading your memoir and then put your memoir out. So I've, always, I've been aware of that since at least a decade, but I'll tell you, there are, there's, there's, a line, there's two lines at the end. There's more than two lines. So interesting the way it works. No coincidences, I, I'm just noticing it's on page 111. <laughs> on page 111, I included these words. You were born to be radiant, and so was I. Not in spite of the fact that someone you love has died, but because of the fact that someone you love has died. I knew, and I still know that those words are true. I also know and knew that they can be really controversial. And my fear was that women whose children had died would crucify me. That how dare I suggest that? And what's interesting, just this morning I went back, I was looking for a blog post on my website, tomzuba.com, and I rarely post my blogs anymore, and I, I haven't written a new blog in a, in a while. I used to write them all the time. And back in 2013, I wrote a blog about becoming radiant. So that seed had been there, you know, for a many more years than I thought. Though that concept really resonated with me. So I'm a, you know, on some level, I did know that there would be a book called Becoming Radiant. Me 
putting those words, those sentences in permission to mourn, as opposed to taking them out based in fear, that said to the universe, yeah, I will write this book. And then another really interesting thing, I, I write about it in the back of this. I did a couple of retreats with my friend Jessica Lindbergh called Restoring Your Mother's Heart. They're Jessica's retreats. She invited me to be a presenter. And I think the last one we did, we focused some time on life's fundamental questions. Is there a God? If there is, what is it? Do your children still exist? If they do, where are they? We were going to do, and we did, an art activity where we gave folks the opportunity to paint from their heart where their children are. And Jessica said, Tom, why don't you do that before? And you can model that. And I trained with Natalie Rogers, Carl Rogers' daughter, in the area of expressive arts. So that was a no-brainer for me. That, I'm an artist. That's who I am. So what I did was I painted this picture. This picture is, quote, heaven. This picture is where Aaron, Trish, and, and Rory are. This is their radiance. That was another example of me leaning into my optimal life. This all came together. I very, very consciously, in the last chapter of this book, say, we came to the planet to be radiant, radiant, be radiant, live your optimal life. That's on page 134. The next book is about living your optimal life. I say, we did not come here to suffer, not one of us. We came to be radiant, to live our optimal life. We are loved that much. I love that. I can't tell you how much I love that. So I'm trying to think if, that, if there's anything else I want to ask you about that. Because so would you say the fact that you had written um, the last sentence in Permission to Mourn about becoming radiant, would that have been your inspiration then for writing Becoming Radiant? What, what no, would, or is that a different what, answer? Yeah, to, this is what I believe that, I do believe in soul planning. I believe it more and more and more. I don't completely understand it, to be honest with you. I don't need to understand it. I don't need to defend it. It, it feels right to me. I'm going to choose to believe it. Mm -hmm. With God, with my angels, with my um, non-physical council of advisors, with the souls of Trish and Aaron and Rory and Sean, I created an optimal life before I came to the planet. I talk about this in my 10 things after Rory died, that video. So everyone came here to live an optimal life. Because we have free will, everyone has free will. If every single person that we ever encountered said yes, 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 we would zoom to the optimal life exactly as it was drawn with all those people that I suggested draw it up with us, including God. 
I actually think it's that the details of the optimal life are more fluid. It's the um, end result. It's the product. It's the process. People can say yes or no, yes or no, yes or no. So like a kaleidoscope, our optimal life keeps changing. It's not less glorious. It's not less magnificent, just a little bit different. So to me, when I was writing Permission to Mourn, by including the, the word becoming radiant, that was me tapping into a glimpse of my optimal life. It was me connecting on a really, really strong level, which I've done, you know, many, many, many times. I think we all do. We just don't know what we're doing. Um, it's almost like a remembering, I think, like an awakening to it, almost. It's a remembering. It's a waking up to it. It's a removing the veil. It's trusting. You know what it is? It's, it's, it's. And this is going to be my third book. It's consciously raising our vibrational level that so it becomes a match with our optimal life. And that's when we can not only see glimpses of it, we can allow it to flow really, really quickly. I love that. That's so cool. I can't wait for the next book. Um, well, we're going to test the next book on, on in live, in person, and online retreats. That's how I do it. You know, we're going to work out the kinks and see if it really, really works. So you'll definitely be a part of that. Yay. You'll be a part of the creation of, you know, the refining the tools and the language and the vision, et cetera, et cetera. So exciting. I can't wait. Um, so you've said over and over again that healing is not a destination. Um, rather, it's a way of being in the world, or our new way of being in the world, learning to be again in the world, almost. Um, so my question is, is radiant a destination? Like, once you become radiant, are you forever radiant? Or are you always becoming more radiant? What would, how would you answer that question, Tom? Yeah, so this is really interesting because I'm, this is really, really new to me. I'm pretty sure that I'm going to change my definition of healing in the third book. Oh. I actually believe that when I say healing isn't a destination, that is a limiting belief. And, and that, that is a self-fulfilling prophecy. I know I'm going to rock a lot of people's worlds, but healing can be our destination while we're in our physical bodies. We can create whatever we want. I do believe that I can get to a point. I'm seeing how this feels in my body. It does feel true. When I can say, I know they, the three of them came. I know they left their physical bodies. I know there was excruciating pain. And, where, and, and because of my relationship today with the three of them, and because I'm certain I will be reunited with them when I leave my body, all of that 
indescribable, unbelievable pain, suffering, devastation that has been healed. On July 23rd, I do believe that's the plan, the invitation, the opportunity. That's new for me. Just that's a couple months old, new for me, and I've never articulated it before. I have in my head, but I've never said those words out loud. I'm glad so, you, go ahead. Because I, I'm glad you did. I, I, I think early, uh, speaking for myself, early on, that's a hard thing to hear because you can't even imagine it. But as you, as you continue down this road or this path, I find it really encouraging. It's very encouraging. It's very yeah. encouraging. And surprising. It's encouraging. It's surprising to me. Yes. I'm, I'm sharing what's true for me. So is radiance a destination? It's such a great question. And again, tomorrow's Rory's 29th birthday. That kid is, uh, Lord have mercy, such a powerful, powerful, powerful force in the universe, choosing me to be his daddy. Five years ago, on February 22nd, 2015, I, I talked about 10 things I learned in the 10 years since he died, since he left his body. And the universe said, you're going to share 10 things. I had no idea, Mary, what the 10 things were. None. You know, maybe in the two weeks prior, I sat and I said, okay, universe, okay, what are these 10 things? Like both of my books, I look at those 10 things and I'm like, whoa, that's spectacular. Like, where did that come from? And the last of the 10 is, we came here to fall in love with ourselves in the same way that the divine loves us. Did you? Yeah, that was my phone. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, we came here to love ourselves in the same way that the divine loves us. That's why it's critical. It's critical to hone in on we believe that God, we become the God we worship. If I believe that God is judgmental, holds a grudge, demanding, spiteful, that's who I'm going to become. I don't want to become that person. So look at an 18-month-old. Look at a 24-month-old. Google an 18-month-old loving himself or herself. This is who we were when we came in. We look at a mirror. We're fascinated by our fingers and by our ears and our hair. and you know, the sound of our voice and the bubbles coming out of our mouth. We love ourselves. We love ourselves. Human beings are born radiant. I am sorry, but we do not come in with original sin. Man made that up. That's going to blow people's minds. We came in as a reflection of where we just were in the presence of the divine. And what happens, it's beautifully described in the four agreements. 
our parents, society, our teachers, our priest ministers and rabbis, our grandparents, our older siblings, they domesticate us in the same way we domesticate our horses and our dogs. We're still radiant beings. We're still light. That was number one of my 10 things. We are still light. But there's so much shit that has been piled on the light from all of those people and from ourselves because we don't know any better. This shit, this shit, this shit, this shit, this shit. So the invitation, the awakening, the expanding, we're still radiant, is to remove the shit as fast as we possibly can. So we become radiant. And once we remove the shit, I think, you know, what, what we do for a while is go, oh no, I think I just allowed a little piece of shit on my radiance. I'm going to remove that. I'm going to remove that. We have always been, we will always be gloriously radiant. We're reflections of the divine. That's who we are. Does that make sense? It does. And it almost sounds like once you, once you remove most of that shit and be, and be, and, and remember who you are and, and, uh, expose that radiance, so to speak, that when, when a little piece does come back on that you're more apt to recognize it and be able to remove it. Would you say, is that fair to say? If, if we reconnect, with the fundamental truth that we did not come to the planet to suffer. We actually came to become radiant. We, we came to remember that we're radiant. If we know that, if we remember that at a cellular level in our DNA, the minute I feel I'm suffering, the minute I connect with pain, I focus my attention on it like a laser beam, as opposed to having three glass of wines, or having four Xanaxes, or having sex with a stranger, or watching Netflix, or eating and eating and eating, numbing ourselves, doing grief the old way. If when I focus on that bubble of pain with a laser, I can shift it. That is not true. I'm back to my radiance. Hallelujah. Yeah. I think it can become, I know it can become that simple. It's like practicing yoga. Downward dog. I know downward dog. I'm experiencing a second of pain. I know how to shift that. That's great. And I, I believe that too. That's wonderful. So um, you sort of touched on this, but how would you explain what radiant looks like then? What does it look like? What does it feel like? What does it sound like? What does it smell like? What is it, what is it, what does okay. it sound like? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I really, really love this. So my father loves Jesus Christ, loves Jesus. My dad always said to me, I asked him many, many times, what do you think it's gonna be like when you die? get this huge, peaceful smile on his face. And he, oh, Tom, Jesus is going to be standing there with his arms outstretched. Welcome home, Claude. Welcome home. I was like, if that happens to me, I'm going to be pissed. I want Aaron, <laughs> Trish, and Rory. You know, Jesus can be ticket number 20. I don't want no Jesus cramping my style. 
I was raised Catholic and I have a really, really distorted, unloving picture of Jesus. Jesus hates gay people. Oh, doesn't hate them. He hates the sin. He loves the sinner. Jesus is going to damn women that have abortions. These are my friends who did exactly what they needed to do to survive. If, if I remain asleep, Jesus is a sexy hunk of a dude with white skin and beautiful blue eyes and kissable lips with this gorgeous hair, you know, who is just, that's not who Jesus was. Jesus was a person of color, a carpenter, a Jew, an immigrant. So I'm 63. Deepak Chopra wrote two beautiful books about Jesus. So I'm open. I'm really, really open to the importance of developing a true understanding of who the real Jesus is, was, and always should be. Having said that, to the best of my knowledge in this life, I've never physically been with this Jesus. But as I'm saying it, clearly Jesus is saying to me, well, you know, on the other side, you have been in my presence. Yes, that is very, very true. So at a cellular level, I know what it feels like to be in the presence of Jesus Christ, to be in the presence of divine love. I know that. I have met the Dalai Lama, shook his hands, looked in his eyes, spoke to him. I worked with a shaman, Annette Hulafeld in Oak Park after Trish died. She did a soul retrieval. She's an ex-nun, which I love. She married an ex-priest. Perfect. My mom was a nun. So to, to be in Annette's presence was being in the presence of Jesus. I was very aware of that. I worked with a woman that my parents introduced me, a nun named Francis. To be in Francis's presence was to be in the presence of Jesus. Francis said, God is present in this moment. No memory of the past. God's invitation has come. Come, come, come. We can say no, hell no, F no, 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 no. Come, come, come. And the minute we say not come, God goes, welcome. I've been waiting for you. I will wait for you forever. Welcome, you're home. No questions, no judgment, no nothing. So I've been with Annette. I've been with um, Francis. I worked with Al Botkin, the, the psychologist who does EMDR in Lincolnshire and the Dalai Lama. I know what radiance feels like. I know what it feels like. It looks very, very different depending upon the circumstances, the individuals involved. I know what it feels like i know what it sounds like so does everyone else when we remove the shit we're like oh yeah dang i know what radiance is it's something that that is so deeply embedded in us that you recognize it when 
when it, when you feel it, when you see it. Yeah, yes, yes. And back to the 10 things. I mean, this is my son, Rory, whose birthday is tomorrow. One of my 10 things is I, I publicly say in front of my family, my brothers and sisters, this was a huge risk for me. I said, when you are in my presence, I want you to feel loved. That was the intention. That's what I said. When you are in my presence, I want you to feel enveloped by love. That's what I want. That's the intention. I want to continue to expand and become more and more and more radiant because I love myself so much. Right. And that's what I want for all of us, for all of us. Right, right. Perfect. That's beautiful. Um, so I have just sort of one more, I guess um, what's really interesting to me, what I love is that it sort of wasn't uh, yesterday, by the way, um, since I've been focusing so much on permission to mourn, and I've always loved becoming radiant too, um, but I haven't spent as much time with it recently. So yesterday, I sat down and, and read the book, you know, from cover to cover again because I love it anyway. And um, I had a little bit of an aha, I would say, um, because so many people have said and and you've said recently that every time you pick up your books and you read it. I think it was you it might have been somebody else but um there's always something something always hits you in a different way depending on where you are or what what frame of mind you're in or where you are in your healing your optimal life whatever you're, it's there's always something so i was reading chapter three and uh in chapter three is um what is chapter three is healing possible um part of it says on page 18, you must learn to love yourself. You must learn to love yourself so very much that you will no longer create pain by holding on to all that has been causing you pain these weeks or these days, these weeks, these months, these years, these decades. You must forgive and release all of it for you. And what occurred to me is that for me recently choosing peace over pain constantly or whenever uh, whenever pain presents itself it has been a, a huge um remarkable comforting amazing shift for me and you also said the other night about trish helping you to love yourself the way she loved you. So all of these things sort of just kind of um, landed on me. And I realize that when you love yourself enough to always let go of pain and choose peace, that is, that is, for me, that's the path to radiance. That is, that helps you to let go of that. That is the most peaceful. It's all about love. It's, it's always all about love, but it's about self-love. Loving yourself enough to let go of the pain and shift to peace. And the church, the traditional church has taught us that loving ourselves is selfish. Yes. Right. 
Jesus taught us to love ourselves. Yes. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is Jesus. We've misconstrued. I, I would add something else to that. Uh, I would say all that has been causing you pain these days, weeks, months, years, decades, and lifetimes. Because I truly believe that there are I don't get it, but there is really no time or space. Everything is occurring simultaneously. So when you and I heal those broken parts of ourselves in this lifetime, it heals all of those broken parts in the past and all of those broken parts in the future. Wow. Yeah, there's something called family constellation work, which is really, really fun. It's really, really out there for a Midwestern dude like me. It's really, really powerful. Family constellation work. That's fantastic. I'm going to write that down. Um, okay. Well, I am so looking forward to getting started with this. This is going to be awesome. And um, I hope that you guys listening or, and or watching today, watching today will come along on this new journey with me. You know, help me out. Um, be there with me. Uh, so that we can do this together so that so that my healing can continue and your healing continue because when I heal you heal when you heal I heal and we do this together we become radiance and we we are the change that the world needs we create that ripple effect and um, we heal the world so that's my my hope and my dream um, Tom I know that you've got to run um, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Yes, there is. I want to thank you, Mary, for being exactly who you are. I want to thank you for following your heart, for listening to your heart, and for gently and persistently following it. I want to thank you for being so open to this work that's flowing through me. I see you. I hear you. I honor you. Absolutely love the fact that we got to see you step into your radiance. It's all on audio and it's on film as well. I am so grateful that you said yes to being part of this leadership team that is going to transform the way we do grief worldwide. Um, you did a marvelous, marvelous job with the first permission to mourn, offering module one, the people in module two the people in the second offering, the third offering, the fourth offering, they are blessed to be able to come to know you. I look forward to many, many, many years of working with you to expand this work that we came to the planet to do. So thank you. Thank you, Tom. You know, I just, I, I love you so much. I love your work. I'm just blessed and honored to be um, a part of it. I am so, I'm so grateful. Thank you for all you do for all of us. I appreciate it so very much. So that's how, that's how much I love myself because it makes me feel so good. Yes. You're welcome. You're welcome. Love it. And for you, my friends listening to the grit podcast, thank you so much for being here. Um, I wish you so much love and peace and grace on your path. Um, your path of healing and your path to becoming radiant. So thank you so much for being here. And with that, I'll say goodbye. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. Take, Take care, care of every, Take care of yourself, everybody. You too.